officials. The attacks happened yesterday at a patrol base in Syria. There were no reported injuries or damage to infrastructure. Those rocket attacks in Syria follow strikes in Iraq carried out by the United States in retaliation for a drone attack that injured American soldiers. NBC News correspondent Ali Arouzi reports on that from London. So the U.S. military has attacked Iranian-backed militant groups in Iraq hours after U.S. personnel were injured in a drone strike on a U.S. airbase on Tuesday morning in Iraq. Now, the U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said three sites used by a group called Khatib Hezbollah uh, were hit in response to attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. So who are Khatib Hezbollah? Well, they're financed and armed by Iran and have been one of the most prominent groups involved in attacks on U.S. targets in Iraq for some time now. Uh, it forms part of the Hasht al-Shabi umbrella group of militias under Iran's patronage uh, that's also been incorporated into the Iraqi army. But these attacks are nothing new. The U.S. has repeatedly targeted sites linked to militant groups in Iraq and Syria uh, in recent years. And depending on the political situation, these can ebb and flow considerably. Now, given what's going on in the region and the heightened tensions, the attacks have dramatically increased. Uh, since October 17th alone, there have been over a hundred of these types of attacks by Iranian-backed militias. So as the conflict in Gaza continues, Iran keeps issuing threats, which are carried out by their proxies with alarming frequency these days, whether that's the Houthis disrupting shipping in the Red Sea or militias in the Levant targeting U.S. interests. This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Wednesday, December 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023. You are still here in the war room. And I guess we're getting a little literal with that. We got drone strikes, ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, you name it, coming from a regime that, oh, wait, I think just got tens of billions of dollars released to it from the Biden regime not that long ago, I believe just before the October 7th attacks in Israel. I'm, of course, talking about Iran, oh wait, the same country that also uh, infiltrated the Department of Defense Special Envoy Robert Malley. I guess he's still on paid leave. We haven't heard anything about that story, right? I guess I'll just bury it, say that it's misinformation, not information, misinformation. But luckily we got Joe Kent, the one and only, to join us to break all of that down for us. Now, I'm curious, Joe, your your thoughts on what we, we see here. It's unprecedented, the scope, the scale, everything, right? 
Uh, you mean yes and no. I mean, we've been under attack by the Iranian proxy groups for quite a for quite a long time, as long as we've been in Iraq. But like you pointed out, when we start handing billions of dollars to the Iranian regime, they're going to take advantage of this because we remain spread out throughout the Middle East in these small outposts that really serve no purpose. President Trump attempted to get us out of Syria. He attempted to limit our ability to uh, have bases inside of Iraq, and that would have taken away the Iranians' abilities to strike at us with their proxies. But every time Iran gets more money that Joe Biden gives them, they simply spend it on their proxies. And that MSNBC anchor actually was uh, really honest in his assessment. He pointed out that Qatab al-Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed militia, it is part of what's called the Hashid al-Shabi, which is the Iraqi military. So we are funding the militias that are attacking and wounding our soldiers right now and threatening to draw us into a greater conflict in the Middle East. Our mission in Iraq and Syria has been complete for a very long time now. We failed catastrophically in Iraq. That's why Iran controls that government. The best thing we can do is pull our troops out of there to deprive the enemy, deprive the Iranians of targets, and then also cut off the funding. We send billions of dollars, obviously, to Iran, but through the government of Iraq, that is our biggest overseas embassy, we send billions of dollars to the Iraqi government so they can turn around and fund the militias that are attacking our troops. Biden is on every side of the conflict in the Middle East, and we are extremely vulnerable right now. The uh, retaliatory strikes that Lloyd Austin was talking about that he conducted, these are purely for show. We hit a couple targets way south of Baghdad and Babel. Babel province, none of the Qatab al-Hezbollah leadership is there. The Qatab al-Hezbollah leadership is sitting in the green zone next door to our absolute money pit of an embassy in the exact same fashion that the Hamas leadership is sitting down the street from the U.S. base in Doha, Qatar. So we are funding every single side of this and again, blindly stumbling towards getting drawn into a broader conflict for absolutely no gain to the U.S. government whatsoever. The saying that everyone likes to invoke in this case is, you know, weakness invites aggression. And while that may be true, I don't even think that that's what we're dealing with here. I think we're dealing with intentional weakness inviting coordinated aggression. And, you know, look back to February 2021, one of the first moves that the Biden regime did was take the Houthis off of the designated terrorist group list. And now they're attacking U.S. interests, our allies, basically coming after commerce as usual, coming after trade. I'm just curious for, from your perspective as someone who's you know been both a, a boot on the ground, but also you, know, you want to be, obviously you're running for Congress, be more on the, the decision-making side of things, hopefully force some votes on repealing AUMFs and, and all that wonderful stuff. But I'm just curious, you, you know, when, when you look and, and you see what's going on, do you think the case is clear that this is intentional weakness? Or do you think that our allies are, are just outsmarting us because we're more concerned with DEI and drag shows? You know, what's sort of the calculation here and how do we get out of it? I think it's a lethal combination of, of both. I mean, the Biden administration on, on multiple fronts, as you pointed out, is compromised and deeply infiltrated by the Iranian government. We've literally got Iranian assets working in the National Security Council, working at the Pentagon. But more dangerously, in my opinion, is we have people like Sullivan and Blinken who really bet their entire careers during the Obama administration on this idea of extending the hand, in the words of Obama, to Iran. And every time we extend our hand to the Iranians, they smack us. 
uh, best case scenario. And so this has absolutely failed. However, the Biden administration is dead set on some sort of a rapprochement with Iran. And then we set ourselves up into this lethal situation where we leave our troops deployed in Iraq and Syria because the military industrial complex and the folks that are in charge of the Pentagon cannot let go of these Middle Eastern wars. Too many careers have been bet on this. Uh, too much money is being made consistently on these wars, especially after the Afghan war was shut down. So there's a lot of vested interests there. But then also Biden put us in an incredibly weak position by killing off U.S. energy. So he, not only did he give the Iranians the bases in Iraq and Syria to shoot at, but he also made the Straits of Hormuz, the Bab al-Mandib, the Red Sea, absolutely critical for global oil supplies that we are now dependent on. We didn't need to be dependent. We could be offering an alternative to the world, thus taking away a lot of the leverage that the Iranians have. But Biden is dead set on taking away every single piece of leverage that we have, whether it is U.S. energy independence or whether it's leaving our, our southern border wide open, you know, taking folks off the terrorist list, allowing Hezbollah, Hamas and every single other terrorist organization potentially to infiltrate us from the south. I mean, basically, when you look at every single move that Biden makes, the only question is, is this incompetence or is this a deliberate plan? And the way that they're moving in coordination I say it is all a very deliberate plan, attempt, an attempt to destroy our nation for one, but then also to get us sucked back into a Middle Eastern war. I think most of the players right now in, in this conflict in the Middle East, they stand to gain from us getting further and further involved in this, especially going into an election year. I think Biden wants to be a wartime president, and so he leaves us incredibly vulnerable over there. All it's going to take is for a few more casualties in Iraq or Syria or a tragedy to take place in the Red Sea, and we're going to find ourselves, you know, locked into another 20 plus years of needless bleeding in the Middle East. They're launching ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, drone attacks publicly. You can only imagine what they're doing secretly behind closed doors with our porous open southern border. You don't even want to know probably who they're letting in. I think it was in November alone, 17 individuals on the terror watch list that they caught. Who knows <laughs> who else is coming in? Um, but I'm just curious, you're obviously running for Congress. I pray to God we have more voices like like yours uh, come 2024, I guess 2025. But specifically on, on the immigration issue, it seems like that's going to be in January where a lot of the focus is on, right, whether it's Ukraine aid, securing the border. I'm just curious, your, your message to maybe your potential, you know, future colleagues, how important is it that we secure the border, particularly from this national security perspective? You know, when we talk about national security, there's always like this nebulous idea of what our interests are. Are we fighting for democracy when the most vital national security interest we have is protecting American citizens? I mean, we went to war for 20 plus years because of the attacks on September 11th, where we lost just under 3000 people on one day. Due to fentanyl poisoning, we've lost well over 118,000 American citizens have been killed by the Mexican drug cartels, the Chinese Communist Party, because of our wide open southern border. Like you pointed out, we've had an untold amount of terrorists enter our country. We think 10 million illegals. We really don't know. So my message to Congress would be they've got to hold the line. There is no other issue that should be discussed right now or funded for that matter 
until the border is secure, until we can actually show to the American people that we are reducing the amount of people killed by fentanyl and we are actually reducing the number of people illegally entering our country and that we are starting to track down the bad actors that have entered our country and, and we start to conduct mass deportations. And we can't have any loopholes in here where we trade some border security feature for some immigration compromise or for amnesty or to get rid of E-Verify. we got to start cutting off the ability that these illegal immigrants have to make a living here in the United States. But my message would be they've got to hold the line. There's no other issue that can be discussed, not aid to anywhere else until our border is secured. Real quick before I let you go, we got a few minutes. I'm just curious, you know, you, you said the F word forever war. <laughs> That's the F word here in the war room. Um, but I, I'm just curious, do you think that they're going to try to turn what's going on the, in the Middle East now into another forever war as we see the Ukraine conflict maybe potentially winding down or at least the political appetite to give them more aid, i.e. the defense contractors to make some more money? It doesn't seem as likely. I'm just curious, kind of looking downrange, what you think is going to happen there? Most certainly. I mean, Biden in his last public address, he already said that we need to rally the country because of all the conflicts in the Middle East and Eastern Europe. So obviously, I think just, you know, purely politically, he wants a war going into 2024. But look, the entire military industrial complex, the entire intelligence apparatus of the United States government has been tooled for counterterrorism and counterinsurgency. So all of the moneyed interests right now would love nothing more than for us to go back and build up a bunch of bases in Iraq and Syria. And what you're going to hear from the neocons is, hey, we left Iraq in 2011, we had to come back because of ISIS, so therefore we shouldn't leave, we should just continue to expand. And that's gonna be the overwhelming cry coming from the beltway, from the people that stand to gain from this. But really, if we look at the, the cold hard reality, none of our efforts in in the Middle East, with the exception of a few counterterrorism strikes here and there, really worked. None of it ever worked. I mean, I fought over there for most of my 20s and 30s. I wish I could say, hey, it worked. We should just give it the old college try even harder this time, and it'll definitely work. There's a pathway to success. There simply isn't. What, what does work is us using our leverage like President Trump really put into operation by making us a net exporter of energy, using our economic and diplomatic power to come up with uh, creative solutions like the Abraham Accords, to use our allies effectively, to use the power of tariffs, the power of sanctions, and only when necessary, use very strategic strikes, but then take away the enemy's leverage. That has to be the way forward. It's the only pragmatic solution. Thankfully, we're making uh, a lot of headway with this, I think, in the new Republican Party. I really want people to remember that we could have had our troops out of Iraq and Syria earlier this year. We had Matt Gates, Anna Polina Luna, Corey Mills, Eli Crane put forward legislation to get them out of Iraq and Syria. And then we had, unfortunately, the War Party, uh, Republicans and Democrats alike, rally to leave our troops there where they're now continuing to bleed on the battlefield. That We have to carve a new path forward for for pragmatic foreign policy. Indeed. And Joe Ken, if people want to follow you, help with the campaign, do all those things, where can they go to do so? Yeah, please go to JoeKentForCongress.com. We're up against a hard deadline for the end of the quarter. So anything to possibly donate between now and the end of the month, it's really going to help us get a running start into 2024 to flip this seat. So JoeKentForCongress.com. Thank you so much, Joe. Merry Christmas. Have a good one. Warren Posse talking about building a new Republican Party. How about building a new parallel economy? So you guys have to go to Public Square, check out all the businesses they have listed so you can actually, in 2024, make it your resolution to stop giving your money, your time, your resources, everything, to people who hate you and want to see you, frankly, locked up in gulags and silenced forever. 
someone who knows a little bit about that, Darren J. Beattie. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part? You don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action, action, action myself much less political now than I used to be. Uh, I was once um, uh, obviously a Democrat. I worked for three different Democrats uh, on the Hill. Both uh, I worked for Senator Biden before I worked for Chuck Schumer when he was on the Hill and then John Conyers. Oof, I'm glad I watched that 2003 interview on C-SPAN last night because that is the founder, I should say one of the founders of Crew a little left-wing, far-left, progressive kind of, I don't want to call them a watchdog. That's too euphemistic a term because they're not really watching anything. They're creating the problems that then need to be watched by groups like Judicial Watch and analyzed by entities like Revolver News. We've got Darren J.B. joining us shortly. But that's Melanie Sloan, the founder of the organization responsible for bringing the lawsuit that led to Trump's removal from the Colorado ballot. You heard it there. She used to work for Joe Biden. There's some other wonderful clips from that interview where she talks about meeting George Soros, taking money from him, and I think most concerningly how they want to make Colorado a model for other states. She says, yes, we can. What we do on the state level, we can do on the federal level, too. Now, there's another founder, a guy by the name of Norm Eisen. You may remember him from Transition Integrity Project era fame, uh, Color Revolution fame, really Revolver.News fame. I think Darren J. Beattie can take credit for making him famous like we love to do here in the war room. But I guess Norm Eisen, as Tucker Carlson said, that's a name you should remember that you shouldn't forget. He's back. He's hotter than ever, and he's uh, waging lawfare and election interference against President Trump. If you want to walk us through everything, go slow, refresh our memory on who exactly this guy is and why he matters now. Absolutely. And I think it would be more accurate to say that he never went anywhere in the first place. He's been involved continuously in every high-profile effort to undermine Um, and really overthrow Trump's presidency and the Trump movement more broadly. This goes back a long way. So the story of Norm Eisen's involvement and the involvement of Crew, which is one of the premier sort of lawfare um, outfits that's been weaponized against Trump. And again, it has a storied history. For a long time, it was run by David Brock, who's, I think, one of the most notorious sort of Democrat hatchet men 
who was disgraced and even kind of too discredited uh, to run crew. And that's why Norm Eisen took over around when Trump got into office. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. With David Brock, remember there was that famous Brock memo that was leaked, and I believe the Washington Free Beacon reported on it. And this was basically the Democrat machine run by David Brock saying, holy crap, how did we let this happen? How did this guy Trump come out of nowhere and against the coordinated opposition of every single institution in the country still managed to win the presidency? We can never, ever, ever let this happen again. And the Brock memo detailed exactly what the strategy would be to prevent it from happening again. And not only, you know, waiting until 2020, you know, that would that would be uh, unacceptable, of course. They had to get hit the ground running immediately. And Crew was responsible for over 100 um, lawfare actions against the Trump administration. And the first of which you might remember, and I think some of our very high info war room uh, members will remember, although the general public may not, but our war room people surely do. One of the first legal actions against Trump, just as stupid as all the rest of them, was this emoluments clause sham, basically saying, oh, Trump has hotels. So when foreign leaders stay in a hotel and, you know, he sort of indirectly benefits from that, that's a violation of the emoluments clause in the Constitution. Totally ridiculous case, totally frivolous, just like anything else. But what's interesting about this is this lawfare initiative for the emoluments clause, this was drafted before Trump was even sworn in to office. And it was drafted by um, Eisen. It was drafted by a guy named Joseph Sellers, who, as we've reported separately, Sellers went on to play a prominent role in the attack on Trump in January 6th attack because, you know, Benny Thompson, who is the chairman of the J6 committee, a man who I would be surprised if he was able to read, not using his fingers to guide his eyes. This is not someone that we would refer to as supremely literate if we're going to be generous enough to call him literate at all. And there's no way that he crafted his own personal lawsuit against Trump for January 6th. He had the help of more intelligent, but probably just as unscrupulous, if not more so, lawyers, and Joseph Sellers was one of them. And so Joseph Sellers was instrumental in crafting the entire theory of the case of January 6th, which emerged as a personal lawsuit against Benny Thompson. And then later on, you would think this would be a conflict of interest, but Benny Thompson goes on to chair the J6 committee, an allegedly dispassionate, disinterested fact-finding committee about January 6th, there was already a theory of the case. It was penned by Joseph Sellers, who is the partner in crime with Norm Eisen, the head of crew. So I know this story is a little bit convoluted, but it's merely to emphasize that all of these efforts are connected. They're not disjointed and should be understood and contextualized as one long, continuous string of efforts to cripple, undermine, uh, overthrow Trump. And the latest such endeavor comes from crew. Norm Eisen has since left, 
Now he's part of some other sham organization. And there's a constellation of these joke organizations. And the real kicker is when they have democracy in the title, which they often do. And that means that the organization is fully dedicated to making sure that the American people will never have the opportunity to meddle in their own elections again. That's what they call democracy. So Norm Eisen is in his new democracy group with former heads of the DHS, you know, normal stuff, Janet, uh, Janet Neapolitano. I think she was famous for you know being a beauty queen in her youth and some other people like Mike Chertoff. A charming crowd of national security professionals defending democracy by making sure that Americans can't speak and can't vote. So who, who, who's running Crew now? Who's running the show now that Crew is bragging on its website for being responsible for this ridiculous, these ridiculous cases in Colorado that take Trump off the ballot? Well, it's a guy with an interesting name, Bookbinder. And I wish he stuck to the family tradition of binding books. We'd we all be better <laughs> off. Maybe he can't maybe he can't read the maybe he can bind the books and teach uh, Benny Thompson how to read while he's at it. But instead he's but instead he's up to no good. Uh, and you know the interesting thing about this guy, you know, he's kind of a sham bureaucrat, typical sort of resume you'd expect. But the interesting thing about this guy is the guy who runs the organization crew, the infamous lawfare organization that's most recently responsible for taking Trump off the ballot in Colorado in some unprecedented and ridiculous move. This guy has an advisory position for the Department of Homeland Security. An organization that, Natalie, we've spoken about a lot. I know you've covered it extensively. We have covered it extensively at Revolver. I think it's fair to say that the DHS is the tip of the spear when it comes to this repurposing of the national security state against Trump supporters. It's had a storied history recently. You know, it housed the disinformation governance board and the whole Nina Yankovic and all of that. Um, going further back, it famously... Um, uh, asserted that white supremacy is America's number one national security threat. It's a complete joke organization, and arguably it always was. It was set up by Bush in the aftermath of 9-11 to prosecute the war on terror. But now the terror, in their view, is coming from the uh, domestic terrorists who dare to you know, object to open borders and that sort of thing. And this individual has an advisory role at the Department of Homeland Security. And think about how troubling that is, is that someone who is involved in such an intensely and conspicuously political effort to take the existing president's opposition and really the front runner, if, you know, if not for the entire election, certainly for the Republican Party, and for this person with a top advisory role at the DHS to have as his main job this hyper-political role of spearheading the move against Trump to remove him from the ballot just underscores how dark and incestuous this whole revolving door relationship really is between the national security state and not just these NGOs, but against the with these lawfare outfits like crew that have been so supremely damaging to our 
um, system of government and to what could genuinely be referred to as the rules-based order, not in the way that the people mean it when they actually use that term. You always know it's uh, Natalie Winters hosting the war room because Darren Beatty gets to go on what was that a fifteen minute rant and doesn't yeah, get interrupted. It makes my job. I know. You're right. What what show am I on? No, I'm just I'm just curious. I'll hold you through the break, but you can get started on this. You know, there's obviously a through line, right? All this stuff is interconnected. Where do you think they go next? You're always so good at seeing downrange. What do you think the next tactics are going to be um, and how do we stop them, more importantly? Um, That's a great question. If we're going up on the break, I'll defer to that because it requires a longer answer that gets into the substance of the California decision. So There we go. We'll we'll have everyone on the edge of your seat. (laughs) On how we stop, believe me, you know who's on the edge of his seat right now? Norm Eisen. And I'm sure Mr. Bookbinder and all these people, because they're not used to getting pulled out because they have a mainstream media apparatus that is not just in bed with them. They have the same paymasters. They serve the same agenda right at the end of the day. They hate you. They suppress you. They hate everything you think, everything you stand for. Luckily, we have people like Darren J. Beattie and News to give us a voice. A very scary world if we didn't. We'll be right back after the break with Darren's answer. Welcome back to the war room. I'm sure that was a very long break for Norm Eisen. He's on the edge of his seat. He's probably nervous that he knows Dr. Jer- Darren J. Beattie for a long time now has had his sights on him and you've, you've been correct. You've exposed him as all of these people deserve to be exposed. And I hope come Trump's, I guess, should be third term, but second term that all of these shady, swampy, lying, subversive left-wing nonprofits. So there's so much more than just left-wing. What they're doing to this country is an insult. It's an affront. Um, but I hope that they are turfed out. I hope there are hearings. I hope they lose their 501c3 statuses, all of the above, just to start as the opening salvo. But Darren J. Beattie, I'm sure you have some even more dialed in suggestions about what we do, but sort of reverse engineering their, their playbook. You know, where are they going with this um, and what do we need to know to be informed to sort of stay ahead of them? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I can only speculate, but I think the decision in the Colorado case gives us some sense of how it's all going to come together. As far as I understand, the appellate decision, the, you know, Supreme, uh, not Supreme, you know, Colorado Supreme Court, not the American Supreme Court, but it was an appellate case, obviously. The original district court case that it responded to found that Trump was guilty of insurrection, but the relevant clause in the 14th Amendment that they're trying to use to go after Trump did not apply to presidents. You see, their theory of the case is that the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which prohibits people who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding certain offices, that this is what prevents Trump from being constitutionally eligible to be president. And therefore, if he's ineligible, he shouldn't be on the ballot. That's the argument. The district court said, yeah, Trump's guilty of insurrection for January 6th, 
but the uh, Section 3 doesn't apply to presidents. The Supreme uh, Colorado Supreme Court said, well, yes, he's guilty of the insurrection, and it does apply to presidents. And one sort of of the many clear objections to this is just for the sake of argument, they were right that it applied to presidents. Trump hasn't been found guilty of any insurrection. And in fact, to date, he hasn't. He, there, there are those January 6 cases, which we've discussed independently why they're so stupid and malicious. Um, but he hasn't even been charged with the seditious conspiracy case, would be, which would be the only um, charge that could reasonably be associated with something like insurrection. Even that is dubious because the whole context of the 14th Amendment was the Civil War. And but this helps to clarify some of the otherwise just baffling and baffling and stupid rhetoric coming from people like Biden. Remember, they were saying January 6th is like the Civil War and this or that. Well, by connecting it to the Civil War, they're kind of contriving this sense in which um, January 6th could fall, you know, in the in the scope of this Section 3 argument. So long story short, Grant, you know, given that the whole thing is ridiculous, I think this increases the likelihood that Trump will be hit with a superseding indictment for seditious conspiracy to sort of reinforce this theory of the case that Colorado used and other states are actively using to try to remove him from the ballot. And so that just once again, people ask me because, you know, we're known, you know, before we were known for the January 6th stuff, Norm Eisen was one of our big stories for his involvement with color revolution. But that's a whole other, a whole other conversation. But then we became known for January 6th stuff. And now, you know, years later, people say, you know, why should we talk about this? Well, this active case reinforces and reminds us of what the stakes are in January 6th. It's not simply about understanding what what happened on that day correctly. It's understanding what the stakes are and how much the regime has invested in its false narrative of what happened, because it's central to what's going on in this latest lawfare push to remove Trump from the ballot so we can't vote. Forget about voter fraud. If you if Trump isn't even on the ballot, they don't even need to do the voter fraud. You know, it's um, but that's central to the theory that they're pushing in order to justify doing that. So yet again, we see the significance of January 6th and the narratives behind it that we've been shoved down our throats day after day for years now. They have a lot riding on that false narrative, and that's why they freaked out when we originally challenged it and why they're still freaking out about it. I can only imagine the displays that they're going to put on in the mainstream media meltdowns come January 6th, 2024. It'll be essential, like you said, to this narrative that, that they've invested so much in. So I'm sure you guys at Revolver have some, we'll call it counter-programming. <laughs> um, you know, where are you guys going? Where are you leading with your January 6th investigations? Do you have any anything to tease for the War Room Posse? Absolutely. We have something very interesting and significant and suggestive coming on, uh, coming up on the infamous pipe bomb question. And we have some equally shocking uh, material coming out. You know, there's been a conversation about the role of the federal government, but there's an interesting parallel story about the role of the various local forces 
in January 6th that I think is just as scandalous. So we have a bunch of stuff coming up for the uh, for the anniversary of January 6th. It's you know it's a holiday tradition at this point, but we've got some, we've got some very big stuff coming in addition to everything else with the Norm Mize in the Colorado, the continuous efforts to remove Trump, and really I think you know it's a line I've used for many years now, but unfortunately it remains appropriate, and that is. The regime is doing everything it can to make sure that the American people can never meddle in their own elections again. It's as simple as that. And that's what they call democracy. I think these people care more about January 6th than they do Christmas or New Year's. They probably would replace, they probably want to make it a federal well, holiday. Know, that would, that would be my bet. <laughs> January 6th, they were expecting it to be their Christmas, but I'm the Grinch of January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> the viral moment of war room today. There we go. The Grinch, the Grinch who stole the uh, the national security state's wannabe Christmas, Darren J. Beattie. There you go. Darren, if people want to follow you, stay up to date with everything. If Norm Eisen wants to follow you and keep tabs on you, uh, where can you go to do all that? Absolutely. Revolver.news, revolver.news. Go there now. It's white hot today just coming up off the holiday. We did a great red and green link thing, but now we're back to business as usual. Um, really hot, really important stuff. I'm on Twitter at Darren J. Beattie, and we are the whitest and hottest on our Gitter <laughs> account, which is at Revolver News. So check us out there too. Whitest and hottest. There you go. It's a, it's a must follow. Darren, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Natalie. Now, we got the one and only Joe Allen joining us. I'm sure you guys saw this story that broke yesterday about how some sort of robot creature working at an Elon Musk factory out in Texas, I guess, attacked a human, attacked a worker that left a, quote, trail of blood, according to the incident report. Joe Allen, this is above my pay grade. I don't understand this stuff. I will let you take it away. Well, Natalie, uh, I followed the trail of blood and I found an industrial accident from two years ago. Uh, if uh, Denver wants to throw up the, uh, the image that uh, Daily Mail ran with, I, I think that's important to, to get a sense of what the impression is in the public. Uh, you know, if you look closely, you can see a, a squad of Tesla Optimus bots that are, are coming to get their next victim, it would appear. But uh, it wasn't actually a humanoid that did it. It was uh, more uh, just a piece of industrial uh, robotic machinery. A claw reached out and grabbed an engineer, uh, both his back and his hand, and it lacerated his hand, uh, leaving the trail of blood. Now, the article itself, even despite the clickbait headline, an image. Uh, the article is actually very interesting. It, it is a, 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 an informed deep dive into uh, industrial accidents due to autonomous systems. These are increasingly common as the autonomous systems become more and more common. And uh, they raised the question, uh, is an autonomous system that saves a company a ton of money, but perhaps uh, poses real dangers to human beings working at the company, uh, is that autonomous system worth it? 
by and large, these questions are answered by armies of lawyers. And uh, one of the key premises uh, is that if more workers are uh, injured due to human accidents or non-robotic accidents, uh, then uh, it is in fact worth it to have a, a robot doing the task. And there's basically just an acceptable level of uh, robot on human violence that goes along with all of this. But uh, before we get to the break, Natalie, if we could, um, I'd, I'd like to look at something that's on the same wavelength and I think much more important for the average American. Uh, it's the same question, but put onto the highway. If Denver wants to run that cold open. <laughs> it actually goes to self-driving cars and vision and everything else. Um, and I asked this question of Pete Buttigieg, uh, Transportation Secretary. It's actually something you retweeted, so I wanted to ask you the same question. Um, there's a big question about autonomous vehicles and the safety of them, but there's also a question about when it will be politically palatable in this country for people to die in cars that are controlled by computers, which is say we have 35, 40,000 deaths every year in this, in this country. Yeah. If you could bring that number down to 10,000, 5,000, that might be a great thing. But do we think that the country will accept the idea that 5,000 people, that your family uh, might have, have, have perished in, a, in a, a vehicle as a result not of a human making a mistake, but of a computer? Um, yes, well, first of all, humans are terrible drivers. Um, so people text and drive, they drink and drive, they get into arguments, they, you know, um, you know, they do all sorts of things in cars that they should not do. Um, so it's actually remarkable that there are not more deaths than there are. Um, what we'll find with computer driving is, I think, probably an order of magnitude reduction in deaths. Um, I think, and now, and the U.S. has actually far fewer deaths per capita than the rest of the world. If you go worldwide, I think there's something close to a million deaths per year due to uh, automotive uh, accidents. Um, so I think computer driving will probably drop that by 90% or more. It won't, it won't be perfect, but it'll be 10 times and better. And do you think that the public will, will accept that? Do you think the government will accept that? Well, at, at, in, in large numbers, the, it, it will simply be so obviously true um, that it, it, it really cannot be denied. Full disclosure, I should be the last person uh, defending mankind's ability to drive as a pretty horrible driver myself. But, Joe, I'm going to keep you through the break, but I don't know about you. I don't want technological programs and algorithms and engineers and a big tech apparatus that has repeatedly demonstrated their desire, their lust to come after MAGA to say that the people who hold beliefs like we do basically shouldn't exist. I don't quite know if I want those people deciding if I turn left, if I turn right, if I stop, or frankly, even if they're going to hit me in the crosswalk. We'll get Joe Allen's, I'm sure, interesting and probably a lot more refined takes after the break.
Welcome back to the War Room. You've got to go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the latest installment of the end of the dollar empire. It's almost written as beautifully as this Christmas music. Almost. But you got to read it to know firsthand. Now, Joe Allen, we only got a few minutes before I got to let you go. But can you walk us through what we just watched on the other side of the break? Natalie, what you heard is the argument that will be used to make autonomous vehicles, robots on wheels, universal. Uh, the argument will just simply be that the robots are safer than humans statistically and that human error will not be worth the risk. It will be a, a more acceptable risk to have robots running the road. Uh, we're not quite there yet. You probably noticed when we were at AmFest in Phoenix, the Google Waymo cars everywhere, uh, driving, puttering around very slowly. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the first indication that uh, these, these vehicles are being normalized. And of course, the CEO of Waymo envisions that within 10 years or so, most or maybe even all cars on American roads uh, will be autonomous. The, the problems with this are many, but I'll just highlight two since we have such short time. The first problem is that even if it is statistically true that robotic systems are safer than humans, uh, I think that the overall effect of having fully autonomous vehicles should be the, the most important consideration. So that, as you mentioned a moment ago, if you have a regime or if you have a corporation that is against any one group of people, then that group of people are going to have their freedom of movement compromised by any system where you can turn it off with the flip of a switch. The second implication of all this, though, I think is, is, is even more important. What we've got is uh, basically a kind of a transhuman obsession coming out of Silicon Valley. It has pervaded the U.S. government, it has pervaded the U.S. military, the education establishment, the medical establishment, so on and so forth. As these arguments are made, and they're getting stronger and stronger, we will see more and more human displacement by AI and robotics. Again, the big question isn't necessarily, are the robots more effective or are the robots safer? The real question is, do you want to live in a world in which most humans are in some sense less, less important on a decision-making level than machines because that is exactly the future that these people are putting forward and they have the money and many times they have the cooked statistics to back it up that's the question that and i would Joe, leave do you want the robots to run it if people want to follow you get the book where you go through this in much more detail where can they go to do all that you can find the book anywhere books are sold. I recommend bookshop.org. You can find me at my social media at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z or my website, jobot.xyz. Thank you very much, Natalie. Of course, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys know I broke the news earlier in the show that I, too, am starting my own Made in the USA clothing line. If you want to get the updates for launching in early January, you can go to She's so right.co not.com got to sue for that domain name uh you can check it out there but someone who i certainly have looked up to in my entrepreneurial endeavors is mike lindell who's joining us now mike i hear you have some news for the war room posse on all fronts business movie you name it election integrity so let it go 
Yeah, you know, you talk about artificial intelligence, everybody. We need to secure our elections so we have people that are back regulating this new technology that's coming into our world. And uh, we have a great plan to secure our elections. We need your help right now. Lindale Plan, I made it very simple, lindaleplan.com. That's lindaleplan.com. Go there, help us out. We have a movie that came out with Professor Clemens. It's called Let My People Go. Get that, spread that movie everywhere. You can really help save our country. It's going to be amazing as we roll into January and February and roll this plan out. You need to educate yourself on what it is out there and please support us. Um, as far as my pillow, everybody, we are doing something very special for the War Room. We are going to extend the free shipping on your entire order. Here's the flannel sheets. You guys all took advantage of those, and we still have we still have all the sizes and colors in. Your entire order ships for free. They're as low as twenty nine ninety eight. The best flannel sheets ever. Get yourself a Christmas gift now that uh, you got through Christmas and. Uh, and uh, get yourself the best gift ever. There's free shipping on your entire order. And I tell everybody, take advantage now of getting that mattress or the mattress topper. Either one of them, because it's very expensive to ship those, but I'm going to cover the shipping. We're covering the shipping. Call my operators, 800-873-1062. They love the War Room Posse. All the stuff that we we didn't we left it all on sale for the War Room Posse. These a lot of these are exclusives to the War Room Posse because they were the best supporters of my pillow for the whole year. And uh, we want to thank you all. We hope you all had the best Christmas ever. And uh, uh, we're looking forward to this uh, coming year for a lot of reasons. It's going to be a it's going to be amazing, everybody. I just want everybody to keep the faith in where. Um, we have a lot of great things going on out there and uh, both at my pillow and our country. You just need to hear about them and um, and get yourself in the know and let everybody know that we uh, it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm looking forward to going into Iowa and helping our real president um, and all his stuff that's going on there for coming up over the next couple of weeks. So it's very exciting, Natalie. We can always count on you to keep us in the loop, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. And I know the War Room Posse thanks you as well. And War Room Posse, thank you so much for hanging with me. You can go to warroom.org to read that latest story I just put up about the legal hatchet woman behind removing Trump from the Colorado ballot. Fun fact, she's also been the go-to voice for the mainstream media, quoting to actually defend the corrupt business dealings of, you guessed it, Hunter Biden, she even praised Jill Biden for being a doctor because she said there'd be no conflict of interest there. Again, this is someone running an ethics organization in Washington, D.C. who thinks Hunter Biden has no ethical issues. It shows you just how partisan and politicized this sham 501c3 is. And I hope they're stripped of that status come Donald Trump's third, second term, or maybe our Congress will actually get their act together instead of wasting their time doing who knows what, with God knows who. Uh, but like I said, if you follow me, go to Natalie G. Winters, or you can follow the brand launching January. This information share, I've got a bunch of signs, like low social credit score, a little bit conspiratorial, stuff hate seed oils. You can go to shesoright.co, or you can follow us on all platforms at shop shesoright. Thank you so much. Have a blessed new year. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. See you, we'll be back tomorrow or maybe this afternoon i believe god bless have a good one folks let me tell you about salty it's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart 
While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. War Room Health, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.